In just a moment, recollections at 30. But first... Once again, NBC Bandstand brings you some of the nation's top-name bands in person. This week, Ralph Flanagan fills your weekday mornings with his wonderful hit tunes. Slow numbers are fast. There's no mistaking the delightful Flanagan style. And then, Art Mooney and his orchestra are also on hand with plenty of lively and rhythmic arrangements. The four lads take the Mr. Music spot this week, and Bert Parks is back as permanent MC. Hear them all on NBC Bandstand. And now, stay tuned for Recollections at 30 on NBC. Recollections at 30. NBC, celebrating its 30th year of broadcasting, invites you to memorable moments of radio's earlier days. In this special series of broadcasts, you'll reminisce among NBC's vast and historic library of sound. You'll hear the stars, the songs, the great moments in sports and special events that have highlighted these 30 years of NBC network broadcasting. And here, guiding our recollections at 30, is Ed Herlihy. Thanks, Fred Collins, and good evening, everyone. More recollections at 30. For the first number on tonight's program, as we used to say, we do not go back 30 years, only 21 years, to the night of the opening of NBC's Hollywood Studios. Here on December the 7th, 1935, the voice of the Master of Ceremonies, Al Jolson. I'm going to get the show underway, and who do you think I'm going to call on first? One of the greatest singers of popular songs that ever lived. You know who I mean, Bing Crosby. Boy, and is he dressed up in evening clothes. <laughs> yes. He looks like a plumber. <laughs> Bing just came over here, I want to tell you folks, from the Paramount Studios, and he's going to sing Treasure Island. And he'll be accompanied by Victor Young and the orchestra. All right, Bing, Treasure Island. I sailed away to treasure island, and my heart stood still when I landed on that silvery shore. We met that day on treasure island. And the smile you gave was the treasure I'd been craving for. Then came those moments of bliss in the shade of the sheltering palm. I still remember your kiss as you nestled within my arm. I looked for gold. On Treasure Island And I found that gold When you gave your golden love to me Sweetly, Victor, lightly Thank you. 
crystal sets were replaced by the big super-duper heterodyne sets, and the little stations went big-time, and the big-time stations went network. Well, in short, when radio got lucrative, an outrageous, funny man with bizarre costumes, a big nose, a red fireman's hat, and a bank full of the most far-fetched puns since the days of Euripides, stepped up to a microphone and took over. Nobody who heard him has forgotten him. And here he is again, Edwin. Now, now it's time for now it's time for a litter box, Gulliver. And here's the first one from Denver, Colorado. Denver, yes. Dear Gulliver, can you tell me if the Townsend plan, which is to give a pension after you are sixty years of age, applies to women as well as men? Signed, anxious. (laughs) Dear anxious, the Townsend plan is strictly for men. You ought to know they'll never get a woman to admit she's (laughs) sixty. Go ahead. Go on, Johnny. Here's one from Bismarck, North Dakota. Bismarck. Dear Gulliver, should a woman keep working after she gets married? Signed, Puppy Love. Of course. (laughs) Silly. Dear Hot Dog. What what is (laughs) it? Puppy Dog. (laughs) Yes, a woman should go right on working for a living. Just because she happened to get married, there's no reason she should starve to death. <laughs> Here's one from St. Albans, West Virginia. St. Albans? Oh, I love St. Albans. Dear Gulliver, yes. here's something that's worried me for years. Yes. Why do they have mirrors on slot machines? Signed, I chew gum. <laughs> Dear under the seat. <laughs> yes, I'll tell you why mirrors are on slot machines. They're on there so that when you put a penny in and get sore because you can't get any gum, you look in the mirror and see how awful you look and you calm right down. (laughs) Exactly 19 years ago tonight, on the Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy show, that tremendously popular singer, Nelson Eddy, sang one of the songs he was most often requested to sing. So back we go to that broadcast of 1937. (laughs)
As network radio became a greater and greater force in our national life, politicians and statesmen discovered that through radio, they could communicate with the people more directly than ever before in our history. Franklin Delano Roosevelt became probably the greatest radio orator of a whole generation. Here is an excerpt from one of his fireside chats made just before Labor Day in 1936. Ladies and gentlemen, the never-to-be-forgotten voice of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Labor Day in this country has never been a class holiday. It has always been a national holiday. It has never had more significance as a national holiday than it has now. In other countries, the relationship of employer and employee has been more or less accepted as a class relationship, not readily to be broken through. In this country, we insist as an essential of the American way of life that the employer-employee relationship should be one between free men and equals. We refuse to regard those who work with hand or brain as different from or inferior to those who live from their own property. We insist that labor is entitled to as much respect as property. But our workers with hand and brain deserve more than respect for their labor. They deserve practical protection in the opportunity to use their labor at a return adequate to support them at a decent and constantly rising standard of living and to accumulate a margin of security against the inevitable vicissitudes of life. The average man must have that twofold opportunity if we are to avoid the growth of a class-conscious society in this country. There is no cleavage between white-collar workers and manual workers, between artists and artisans, musicians and mechanics, lawyers and accountants, architects and miners. Tomorrow, Labor Day belongs to all of us. Tomorrow, Labor Day symbolizes the hope of all Americans. Anyone who calls it a class holiday challenges the whole concept of American democracy. The 4th of July commemorates our political freedom, a freedom which without economic freedom is meaningless indeed. Labor Day symbolizes our determination to achieve an economic freedom for the average man, which will give his political freedom reality. The next three excerpts we shall play here tonight might be classed as music appreciation, and we might conclude that there are three different ways to appreciate music, and more than one different kind of music to appreciate. The first excerpt comes from a full-hour show which was broadcast in mid-afternoon. It was aimed at children, but some pretty tall children with bank accounts and jobs and bills and children of their own listen too. For here is again the lovable voice of Walter Damrosch. And now we are going to give you another example of fun and music by the French composer Saint-Saëns, who in his famous little succession of pieces called The Carnal of the Animals, gives us a picture of what do you think. He calls it 
The gentleman with the long ears. An animal who's famous not only for the length of his ears, but for the loud, harsh voice, which goes, Eeyaw! 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 You will now hear a little musical composition that portrays to you the donkey. See if you recognize it. by the same composer, another example of animals portrayed in music. And you will readily recognize that the music characterizes the roosters and the hens. You will hear the crow of the rooster and the clucking of the hens as they run about picking up a little corn here, a little kernel there and running about seemingly with nothing else to do but to look for food, and all the time clucking. And then into it, this clucking of the hens, you hear a proud rooster crowing. why that clucking stopped so suddenly. Do you suppose that one of those hens ran out into the road? They do, you know. And that an automobile came by just a little bit too fast for the hen? I hope not. That was from Walter Damrosch's Music Appreciation Hour, broadcast in January 1937. Now, let's hop down to June of that same year, 37. The program? Sisters of the Skillet. Comedy sketches by Ed East and Ralph Dumkey. Tonight is Famous Failure Night, and we're going to have some more facts about famous failures. Famous failures? Yeah. Well, do you think it's a good idea to keep interviewing famous failures? What good can it do? Well, don't you see, Rafi, every time we interview famous failures, our listeners realize what they should not do. In other words, when you hear what a man has been a failure at, you know what not to try in order not to be a famous failure as. Is that clear? Yeah. Would you mind stepping up the microphone, please, and telling us your name? Right up here, please. <laughs> uh, my name is Rosh. I see. Mr. Rosh. Uh, Dr. Rosh, if you please. Oh, a doctor, I see. Yes. What are uh, you a failure as or at? Well, I am a doctor. Mm -hmm. 
not a medical doctor, but a musical doctor, if you please. Yes. I have a plan to make people appreciate music. Mm -hmm. Only I am different from other people who do this because I teach you how to appreciate popular song music. Popular? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, for instance, take a song like, When Did You Leave Heaven? Mm -hmm. Did you ever really appreciate the beauty of that thought, my dear young people? Take the music. Now, first we hear the saxophones. They are the first to ask the question, When Did You Leave Heaven? Now, listen. There. And as soon as the saxophones ask the question, the brass section gets interested in the situation, and they say, why did they let you go? Listen. And that, my dear friends, arouses the curiosity of the bass fiddle, who says in an offhand manner, how's everything in heaven? Listen. Then they all say, we'd like to know. Listen. Now, forgetting the instrument, let's think of the mind of the singer. He's singing this song to a beautiful girl. Uh-huh. A new girl he has just met. Yes. And right away he asks, why did you leave heaven? Mm -hmm. You see, right away he's wondering. Yeah. Just like a man, isn't it? Yes, it is. Right away he gets suspicious. Uh, and then the next thought strikes him. Why did they let you go? Mm -hmm. He's beginning to wonder. Mm -hmm. Then she must have turned on the appeal or something. Because right away he gets off the subject. And like talking about the weather, he says, How's everything in heaven? I see. Just like that. How goes it? How's tricks? Hiya, tits. Doctor, and then you see... Doctor, go doctor, I'm afraid we won't have time to hear anymore, but thank you very much. My I, dear young friend, you mean I can't tell you the rest of it? No, I'm sorry. You're just like all the other people. No one ever lets me finish. No wonder I'm a failure. It isn't right, I tell you. It isn't fair. Sisters of the Skillet. Comedy sketches by Ed East and Ralph Dumkey. And for our third lesson in how to appreciate music, we turn to jazz. Good afternoon, music lovers. You rascals, you. It is now our privilege to eavesdrop on a concert of the very justly celebrated Chamber Music Society of Lower Basin Street. A small group of musicologists gathered here in Radio City for the purpose of perpetuating the time-hallowed classics of the three Bs. Boogie Woogie, Barrel House, and the Blues. We are speaking to you now from the Critics Circle, here in the short right field bleachers. And the conductors of the occasion are Maestro Paul Laval and his turpentine-treated yellow pine woodwinds. The guests of this solemn occasion are... Uh, well, but uh, I think we'd better leave that up to Dr. Gino Hamilton, the society's chairman, whose voice you will, we hope, hear next. As you all know, fellow members of the Chamber Music Society of Lower Basin Street, and furthermore, we agree with you. The classics of our land should not only be revived, but preserved intact. So in pursuance of which, we present Mademoiselle Dinah Shore, the Deep South diva from Tennessee, who is said to be a good reason why. One very good and sufficient reason is her lonesome pine treatment of I'm Coming, Virginia, a treatment which she is at this moment just before treating. Mademoiselle Shore and I'm Coming, Virginia. Mm -hmm. 
Every hour seems a day For there is one and one only That understands me When I say I'm coming Virginia I'm coming today Don't hold it again me Or running away I tried to forget you But found I was wrong Neath your bright southern moon Once more I'll croon A dear old mammy's song And if I can win you I'll never more own I'm coming Virginia My Dixieland home I'm coming Virginia I'm coming to stay Don't hold it again Or running away I tried to forget you I found I was wrong Neath your bright southern moon Once more I'll croon A dear old mammy's song And if I can win you I'll never more roam I'm coming Virginia My Dixieland home There you are Tonight's Recollections at 30. Next week, we're going to give you excerpts from one particular broadcast in 1939. It was a bon voyage salute to King George VI and his queen, who had been visiting here in the United States. You will hear on that broadcast, Ray Noble's orchestra, Leslie Howard, and that great actress, Gertrude Lawrence. Ed Hurley has been your host on Recollections at 30. Next week at this time, there'll be another in this special series, commemorating NBC's 30th year of broadcasting. This is Fred Collins, hoping you'll be able to join us then for more of the great stars and great moments of the past. Recollections at 30 is directed by Bob Mauer. Bert Parks and the Four Lads live on Bandstand weekday mornings on NBC Radio. We hope you are enjoying the old-time radio programs on the RadioThen.network podcast. You will find many biographies and audio clips from the past on our blog. www.radiothen.network Check it out and bookmark the blog which also indexes our podcasts. www.radiothen.network